let's get past it today. I think we're gonna do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Man Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. And as always, we appreciate you taking the time to join us together on this mission of connecting men in pursuit of their potential. We do so by cultivating community, embracing discomfort, and putting wind in each other's sails. I'm excited to introduce business investor, mentor, exit planning advisor, Patrick Rogers on the podcast today. Patrick, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Hey Ted, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it, man. Absolutely, and I know you host your own podcast as well, Exitable Podcast, which we could talk a little bit about in uh, sure. a little bit. But I, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to introduce yourself to the audience, to some of the people watching, uh, whether it be on YouTube or on their podcast app. I'd love for you to quickly get acquainted. Yeah, you bet. So I'm an entrepreneur as well, business investor, actively buying, growing, scaling my own businesses. In addition, I help some of the the world's most powerful CEOs scale, grow their companies, and elevate the levels of conscious and awareness, not only within themselves, in their lives, but also within their team's lives. And that's uh, that's the mission that I'm on, man, is just raising those levels of consciousness all around. I love it, man. I just but it begs the question, how do you like wake up one day and you're like, I'm going to train CEOs. Or I'm going to, like it's it's one of those things I think a lot of us think of, you know, the barrier to entry has to be a tough one, but also to have kind of that as your clientele. Like, I'm going to mentor and train CEOs. How how do you get into that? Man, good question. So I was in corporate America, I was in sales, sales management and I really enjoyed helping other people be successful. But I knew the corporate America wasn't going to make me wealthy, right? So then I dove off and I started up my own company, property management real estate. And what I found is that I was really kind of good at business. And so <laughs> it, and so within that community, there was a lot of people that were coming to me within the property management real estate saying, hey, you know, can you help me in my business? Because we, we scaled really fast. And so we were, you know, when I wasn't even trying to, I was helping other property management real estate, you know, people scale their business. And that's really what led me down the road of being a, you know, a full-on business coach for the last 10 years and mentor and, and really, you know, working with CEOs and helping them scale their business. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's amazing yeah. where you're like, hey, yeah, I'm kind of good at this because usually those are the things that we find valuable in the world. And when they talk about what are you good at, what does the world need and what can you get paid to do? And those three things, when they come together, you found that little pocket that you could operate in. It, and it sounds like you kind of landed in that. You're like, Hey, I can do this. Like, what are some of the practices you think helped make you so good at business in terms of if you're looking at maybe looking at a business, whether it's going to be successful, what do you think is probably one of the key factors that will give you the hint of its ability to grow? And that's a great question. So it really depends on the stage of the business and the mental ability of the owner. I, I can usually have a conversation within 30 seconds and tell if the CEO, this business owner is grounded and, and is able to think. So so a lot of times business owners, we have this tendency, we're, we're driving the car, right? We're driving down the road and there's mud all over our windshield. We're just operating out of reactive mode. We can never really get the business to be operating in a continuous improvement, forward moving. Mm-hmm. And we're just always doing, right? We're never really focusing on being. And so that's a business owner that isn't really taking the time to invest likely in their systems invest in their people and invest in themselves from a mental clarity, from a health wise. And it's the resulting, the, the resulting chaos that's ensuing 
is what's happening. And, and some of us are addicted to chaos. And when we have that in our lives, we're not really getting the, the forward momentum that we need in a business. So a lot of times it's just the CEO and just what's going on. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Which I, I see you also, you, you train CEOs and not just in their business, but in their personal lives. And I could imagine where for some of us think that, especially as men, we, we focus on compartmentalizing, right? Mm-hmm. Put this over here, put that over there. You know, my personal life's not going to interfere with my work life. And, and I got this going. Yeah. I think I've come to find that that's just simply not the case. <laughs> <laughs> totally not the case. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great point. So I almost call it like a the the life balance triangle, if you will. On on one side, you have on one side of the triangle, you have relationships and love and and all those things in your life. On one side, you have business and career, and on the other side, you have self mm-hmm. and self care and self improvement and all that kind of stuff. And under self is is your health, that's your mental acuity, all that kind of stuff. And in the middle of that, if you have all three of those things in place, you have success and you have holistic ability to raise our levels of conscious and actually give back to the world and give love and, and what, you know, what we're really supposed to be on earth for. And so what ends up happening is when we let any one of those core pillars of the triangle get out of whack, like if we just start spending too much time on our business and we're, we're waking up at five o'clock, we're stressed out, we go to get in the office by six. We come home at eight o'clock at night. And this happens all the time. I mean, this is, I'm not making up anything. It doesn't happen. The the guy or gal isn't working out. Maybe they get home at six or eight and they get on the computer. They maybe eat some dinner. They're stressed out. They haven't spent any time with their family, their kiddos. They're working on the weekends. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that happens, right? Mm-hmm. How do you think that's going to affect the other two pillars of their life, right? Well, they're spending all that time stressing. They're spending all that time not working out, getting their body the cleanse that it needs. They're not spending time with their their wife, their significant other, their husband, the relationship. So, so these relationships start to dwindle, and then now they're they're just absolutely chaos because they have a, a, a pending divorce. Their kids are you know going down the wrong road. So a lot of it is really like why are we doing this in the first place? Why do we even have a business? And that's the, really the place to start when we, when we work with people is like, why are we here on this planet? Why are we doing the things that we're doing with this business? If you don't have your why down, then when the day comes, you're going to mess up all the other stuff. You're going to end up drowning anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to paint a bad picture, but you know. yeah, but it's, it's the reality. And I think it was Victor Frankl who in his book, Mm. Man, search for meaning says he yeah. has the why can withstand almost any how. Right. And the reality is, and I found, you know, in short business ventures I've gone on, and there's yeah. there's always a point where it gets difficult. It is always a point where it gets literally the threshold of how bad do you want it? Is it worth it to you? And for a lot of times, some people find the things they want now. Is not as important as the success of their mm. business that they want later. And mm-hmm. those things fall by the wayside. But more importantly, that ends up happening in the personal life. And mm. I found sometimes when it comes to the workaholics, they spend time at work because home is not a comfortable spot. Yes. Their yes. love life is out of whack. So Dude. I'm going to work a few more hours later. I'm going to, you know, this is my comfort zone. So I could push it. And that's where the spiral starts. Yeah, dude, you're hitting the nail on the head. They are running away from something. And we as men and even women, they are running away from something because they think that they cannot control it. 
Mm. And the, the environment is something, and, and that's where you have right hopelessness and depression, right? Is so, <laughs> so they want to run away from the, to the safe place and the safe place is home. Well, guess what? That very relationship, your why, or at least my why is dwindling behind the curtain. It's just, it's just falling apart. And so that's one of the core pillars I work on specifically with men and women more so now is how to turn that around. Mm. And men and women were communicating on such super different wavelengths. 99% of men, I have not yet a man, I've not met a man yet that understands the stuff that we work through as we're working through these projects and, and how to understand how women work mm-hmm. that, I mean, literally I've saved marriages within like, we go from, you know, people who have not had sex in like, I won't say years, but maybe like six months yeah. to within two to three months of going through this process together the woman is craving it with the man and vice versa. Right. Yeah. And it all comes down to just understanding how we're wired and it's totally different. And so many times people will hire me to be their business coach and I'll talk to them. And, and after like a conversation or two, man, we can't even get to business yet because you're so strung out and stressed out on this other stuff. We're going to focus on this first. And then because of what we're going to do by raising your own conscious level and your communication between your your significant and other in you, it's going to drastically improve your business because you're going to be able to have clarity of thought. That's the center, right? That's the foundation. Man. I love that. Yeah. So most important factor, okay, the person who's leading the company, working with the CEOs in their personal lives. Now, let's say, okay, the triangle set, the foundation strong, and it starts mm. getting to the I guess I would say the fun part, right? Scaling the business, right? Yeah. What are the important factors and some of the strategies we should follow when looking to scale successfully if we're trying to build, whether it be generational wealth, right? Whatever that why is, we're doing it for our family, comfort, freedom of time. How do we go into that process of let's scale this thing? Yeah, man. So a great question. This is a really weighted question. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it depends a lot on the structure of the company, how big it is. But I'm going to go through three things. And mm-hmm. these are the really the, the big time three pillars. One is operations in the company, operational systems. I'm going to talk a little bit about people. And then I'm going to talk about sales and marketing. And these are the three legs that, that we need to have in place. And I almost think of it kind of like riding a bike, right? You ride a bike, you have your front wheel, that's your sales and marketing. You have your back wheel, that's your operations and your people, right? And so mm-hmm. to scale a company... It, one of the most important things is the owner has to not be involved in any of that, literally. Like if the owner has the key customer relationships, if the owner has do is involved in any of the day-to-day in the operations, if the owner is doing the sales and marketing, you don't have a business that's really scalable. You have a, a business that revolves around the owner. So the, one of the first things is we have to have automated ways of doing sales and marketing. And that could be automated marketing growth engine with a sales team right? Somebody that's doing it besides you. And, and that's the thing is like most CEOs, they think that they're, they think that they're irreplaceable, that nobody can do it better than them. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're listening to this podcast, somebody can do it way better than you. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Let go of it, man. I know, I know you're good, but let go yeah. of it. And so now automated marketing and sales engine. And then number two is on the back wheel, you need a an operational system that doesn't revolve around you, an operational system that can run the company effectively, that has KPIs and a team of people that runs that system for you. And when you can get to the point as a business owner where you can take a, a literally a three-week vacation 
come back and it runs just as good, if not better than when you left. Now you have a company you can really start scaling. Nice. That's what I'm talking about. Something that works in your absence is, is really the dream, right? And that's, that's what we want. We want to go on vacation, come back with, with more money than we left <laughs> and, and, and our business yeah. at least still still operating it and chugging right along. I want to talk about the the eight key drivers that affect value. So if let's say we're scaling the business and we're getting to a point in our lives where, you know, kids are getting to high school age, I want to spend more time with them or I want to catch the games and you know, I want to step away from the business completely. I want to find out what what I'm sitting on. What is the value of this of this business? What are some of those key eight key drivers of it? Yeah, we'll definitely talk about a few of them. One, yeah, you don't have to the give biggest... the whole chicken, just, just a, a leg or a wing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So, and there's a couple that I, I like to definitely talk about. One is recurring revenue. This is actually huge that so many business owners totally let go of. And think about it from a purchasing standpoint. If I was going to buy a business, mm-hmm. when any kind of investment, right? What I'm really looking at is the level of risk that I'm going to take to buy that, right? And so these eight value drivers, a lot of it really revolves around how much risk am I going to take when I buy this company? Mm -hmm. So if I have company, let's just take two HVAC companies, right? HVAC company A and B. Company A doesn't have any recurring revenue, which many HVAC companies don't have. They just respond. You know, people call in, they go out to an emergency, right? They fix it and then they move on, right? Let's say that company makes 2 million a year and there's, you know, let's just say 500,000 EBITDA, right? That's their profits. Mm -hmm. Then company B makes that 2 million a year, but it's all recurring revenue. They have contracts set up with commercial clients. And so they're not doing any one off stuff. It's all recurring revenue. And their EBITDA is also 500,000. Mm. Company B with recurring revenue versus this company is going to sell for almost twice as much as this one, even though the financials are exactly the same. And the reason for that is company B does not have to go out and do any sales or marketing. It's (laughs) there's no risk. There's contracts in place, all of that kind of stuff. And so does that make sense how the risk is worth so much more that there are the lack thereof risk? Yeah. They almost save on any cost that they would have for marketing and sales or whatnot. And that gives them a little boost and a little less of a a risk going head first in. Yeah. And it's not exactly two twice. It's like 1.8 times as much. So for every dollar, if you're thinking about selling your company and, and by the way, every Every business out there can convert most of their income to recurring revenue. In fact, there's a book out there by John Warlow called Automatic Customer, and it does exactly that. It'll guide you through how to do this within your company. And it's one of the things that that you really should think about before you go to sell because you're going to be leaving money on the table if you don't. What do you think is the first threshold of a business owner getting to that point of wanting to sell? Because I've known some business owners and some entrepreneurs, and I think the differentiator is some business owners build something and they can never see themselves parting ways from it. Other entrepreneurs mm. start with the exit in mind. For somebody who might not have had the exit in mind from the start, what do you think is that threshold that starts pushing them to maybe wanting to walk away from it or really the first driving factor for someone to want to sell their business in the first place? It's a great question. I, you know, there's two different kinds of people. There's people that, I mean, most people that are CEOs or, you know, business owners are kind of visionaries mm-hmm. and visionaries. A lot of times they'll start the business and then they need other people around them to implement it, to integrate it, all that kind of stuff. And, and then once it gets going, a lot of times they, you know, we get bored. 
right? <laughs> and and so it's two, three years. It's kind of a general rule. We get the company up and running. It's going really good. All right, I want to sell it and move on to the next thing. There's a lot of that going on. But then there's also all the baby boomers that are retiring right now. Mm-hmm. They're retiring in droves. I think it's like 12,000 a day or something. Wow. And so, so for them, it's really, what is my number? What do I need to sell the business for in order to retire, right? I have this much in stocks and real estate and I want to retire for X amount. And that's one of the things we work on with folks is, all right, what do you need the business to sell for in order for you to have a comfortable life? Mm-hmm. And then, okay, what's the business worth now? That's one of the first things we do is what's the valuation for the business now? Okay, we have a gap of whatever, $4 million. Let's roll our sleeves up and let's start creating value in the company and getting it to where it will sell within three to five years or whatever your retirement date is so mm-hmm. that you can hit your number. Nice. All about knowing that number. And that I mean, kind of going back to the why, looping into the why, you have to know the number. <laughs> in order yeah, to yeah, your critical that, right? number. In terms of strategy, or I guess besides strategy, you mentioned the CEOs being a visionary. What are some of the mm. most important capabilities that a CEO, someone who is a business owner, should have? Mm. Man, I, I tell you, this is going to go back to a little bit of it, it's a weighted question. But once you get to a certain size, once you get over like 10 million, Mm-hmm. The most successful business owners, the most successful company owners and business owners, CEOs are the ones that are really, really kind of take in this concept that it's not about me at all. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the less I can make it about me and the more that I can make it about other people, the better. And to kind of build on that skill set, this is something that we work with them on is. We do like a 360 degree feedback survey. So one of the things is we do a feedback survey of the leadership team and the people in the company about the CEO, and it gives him or her feedback on things that they need to improve on. But then we take it a step further and the CEOs that have the ability to remove energy levels that vibrate and resonate at very low levels within Mm -hmm. their company and maintain a high level of resonance throughout the company. The CEOs that are able to do that, and that results in culture, that results in all employee engagement, the CEOs that are able to systematically employ that in their company have by far the most successful company. Because once you get above 10 million, it's all about the people. It's all about the people and their energy and their engagement and their focus. Yeah. I wanted to lean into that because I'm kind of like nerding out a little bit because you touched on company culture, but like... I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, and we all know what you're talking about. And, and for someone who hasn't clicked, like imagine the person that walks into the room and immediately you're like, oh man, right. It's, it's that kind of energy. We all know that energy or somebody comes, comes in the room and they just bring the environment around them down. Right. Yeah. That's a real thing. So I'd love to get to kind of put our thumb on that for a second about that energy and cultivating that because Culture is one thing, but I've never heard it described like that before in terms of, of I guess, upper management energy. Well, it, it, everything starts from the top, right? So it mm-hmm. starts at their energy and then it goes down from there. But you're always going to have people in different departments who are just resonating at these different levels. So two things. One is you need to have a system in place. You still need systems. Yeah, You still need systems to provide each employee a direct line of sight to the the critical number, the results, right? Do they feel like they have relevance in the company or are they just pushing a widget, right? You know, so so there's things like that 
they need to know that their boss cares about them. They need to be measuring what they're doing. Like we need that portion of it. But on the energy side of things, there's people that resonate and not to take it too foo-foo, but this is just so true, man. There's people that resonate in what's called catabolic energy. Mm-hmm. And that is people that operate out of fear and anger. And they could either be operating out of fear chronically, right? That they just, that's all they know. And they got hired into the company because we don't know that, you know, their victim mentalities. And then there's people that operate out of anger. And so the CEO's job, and, and this is one of the things we coach them through as a process for how to do this is to identify the people that are operating at these catabolic energies mm-hmm. and, and a process and a system to move them up into what we call anabolic and anabolic is, you know, that's operating from just a totally different paradigm. These are people that are, you know, they're operating more in like forgiveness and compassion and even, you know, peace and joy. And, you know, Gary V even talks about it. I shared a stage with Gary V a couple months ago. And all he talks about now is empathy in the workplace and the most powerful and successful CEOs are the ones that know how to display empathy. And this is this is exactly what we're talking about. It's raising not only your own conscious level, but raising, learning how to raise the whole company's consciousness level through these kind of systematic processes of you know getting people to respond. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I don't know for anyone who could watch and they see the top of the book, uh, "Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself." Doctor Joe Dispenza talks a lot about oh, yeah. the subconscious mind and kind of lowering your your in meditation your brain waves to the beta waves and kind of cultivating that energy that you put out. So that's kind of why I wanted to put my thumb on that really quick. Yeah, man. Because yeah. I do believe, and I could see how that impacts a company culture and and the success of a company. What is something that you've seen that would maybe prevent? the sale of a business? What would maybe kind of be the, ooh, the red flag that right away you're kind of like, this we need to fix? Yeah, great, great question. And this goes back to one of the other eight value drivers is some of the major risks. If if there's a company, it's all about that transferable value, how much of the value will transfer to that other person. So again, the obvious one is the owner too involved in everything, right? Does the owner have the relationships with the key clients, key mm-hmm. vendors? Is the owner do, you know, blah, 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 right? So the other one is what percentage of your revenue comes from your clients? Is there any one client that takes up more than 20% of your overall company revenue? And there's some people out there that I've worked with that have literally like one client is 80% and they think they got a business that they're going to sell. It's got no transferable value. You know, it would be extremely risky to purchase that company unless there was some real solid things in place, right? So things about like that or thinking other things that are risky are, are there key employees within the company that if they were to leave, the company would fall apart? And for those people, are they in employment agreements? Are there contracts in place? Are there long-term management incentives in place that would make it very painful for them to want to leave, right? So these are things that we have to start thinking about a couple of years in advance to make sure that we're prepared. And the same thing with vendors too. Are there any vendors that we rely on that if they went out of business, the, mm-hmm. the company would be washed? So yeah. yeah, too much weight on one factor is is pretty much yeah. what it's like, hey, you know, if if one ta- leg out of the table falls off, the, the table falls over, you know, I don't want a three-legged table. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. The, the over-reliance. And, you know, some other ones too is what's the growth opportunity for the company? If, if they've been growing at maybe 5% a year and there's really no, you don't have any plan for the future and you think you're going to sell that, who wants to buy that? Unless I knew 
or I was your competitor bigger than you, I already know what the potential is, right? But you, mm-hmm. we have to educate the marketplace here. So there, there yeah. needs to be growth potential in place. And if there's not, create some, figure out some kind of a way. A lot of my clients, to be honest with you, will actually do acquisitions. If we're going to sell five years from now, we'll actually do some acquisitions now. Mm-hmm. To then, And that's the fastest way to grow, by the way. Once you get above 5 million, you should be focusing on acquisitions because you're going to grow very, very fast. For anyone listening, and one of my last questions, because you work with yeah. a lot of CEOs, and I think bridging the gap between you know where some of us are now to where we see ourselves in the future, or you know, because there's probably someone listening who might have that mm. five that five million dollar business and they're thinking acquisition. Mm. There might be somebody who is probably working on scaling a business, putting it together, maybe it's at five figures, six figures, and they're working on kind of building that that threshold. What is usually, I guess, from the CEOs you've worked with, their roots mm. and their starts as someone like yourself who walked away from corporate America understanding, okay, this isn't going to be making me rich. I think that's a popular trend. A lot of folks are kind of waking up with that realization. They want to take this yeah. step. How realistic sure. is that for those folks that are listening right now? And what exactly, as best as you could describe in the few minutes we have left, what exactly does does that all entail? Yeah. So, I mean, I almost akin this to just how do you make your company be as successful as possible, given where you're at? And it's really, I think it's being true to yourself on what is in place with respect to systems. Can this business run without me? Mm-hmm. And most CEOs are not truthful to themselves. They think that it will. And this is actually something I'm starting to do with a lot of my clients is when I start working with them, first thing I tell them is, okay, six months from now, you're booking a three-week vacation (laughs) and you're going to get one email a day from your team and that's it. Ready, set, go. Now, guess what? They start to really take some of the stuff serious and it starts to really click in them that they don't own a business. Mm. You know, Kiyosaki type stuff, right? Cashflow quadrant. Well, guess what? I'm self-employed because I'm so involved. This if I go away, this business stops. And so that's one of the most important things is really mentally changing that paradigm shift right inside that in order to scale effectively, we have to be completely removed from the day-to-day operations of the business. Absolutely. Patrick, I can go on and on and on with questions, <laughs> but I'd be afraid yeah, to see the invoice afterwards. So um, <laughs> I'd love for um, our audience to have an opportunity to get in touch with you, connect with you, yeah. use your services too. If they're looking to scale their business, maybe from that 5 million mark to 10 million mark, or maybe they're working on exiting the business or sure. want to get some more of your content from the Exitable podcast, how can they connect with you and follow some of your work? Yeah, absolutely. So my website's exitable.io. It's E-X-I-T-A-B-L-E.io. And you can reach out to me there, get on our list. I offer a free valuation on there. So if you're thinking about exiting or just, hey, I want to build value within my company, sign up right on the front page for a free valuation. It takes about 12 minutes to go through. And I'll do a valuation of your company and do a roadmap of this is where you are now. And here's what you need to do to maximize your value. I love that. And I know that's going to be helpful for so many folks. Again, awesome. Patrick Rogers, appreciate you being on the podcast. I'm going to recap a couple of the gems you left along the way really quick for anyone that might've been busy while listening and they don't have a, a pen and piece of paper like I do. Grounded and can think. A lot of us, if we're a business owner, if you're a CEO, you might not have that wherewithal, that self-awareness to know wholeheartedly if you are grounded and thinking properly. So sometimes it's good to have board of advisors, a coach or trainer or somebody like Patrick who can kind of identify that in you 
system, people, self, kind of looking at those aspects of the business in terms of the, the growth potential, the success potential. What do the systems look like? What are the people? And how are you in your in yourself, in your personal life, remembering that triangle, health, love, and business, they all go into each other. There's no compartmentalizing it as much as we try. And then why are we in business? What do we do this for? <laughs> Coming up to the point where it gets so hard, you're going to have to make the decision. Why are we in business? And sometimes we avoid some legs of those triangle, whether it be our love life or the, the health, because we feel like it's an area that we can't control. But we need to lead into that ops, people's sales and marketing when it comes to the sellability of your business. How, I guess, how alluring is it to a business to be purchased and automatic customers? Do you have recurring revenue? Have you set that up? And when you when it comes to scale, have you put the right people in place? Are you cultivating the right energy at the top along with your company culture? A lot of questions we could ask ourselves about getting to that next level and also knowing that number when it's finally time to retire and say, kumbaya, and being true to yourself. True to yourself as we circle back to the reason why we do business in the first place, all founded in that. Patrick, man, such a valuable episode. I appreciate you, man. Awesome, Ted. Thanks for having me out, man. Thank you. And to the listeners and watchers, if you got value from this, please share this with somebody. Hit that subscribe button. You can catch a new episode each and every single week. We'd love to see a rating to know how we're doing. But take care. We'll see you guys next time. And like we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow.